Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. To stay connected to all that's happening here, visit RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now here's our associate pastor, Adam Barnett. Well, good morning. We are in our series, Life with Jesus. If we can turn to Luke chapter 12, uh, and if you forgot your Bible, uh, there's a red Bible located in the chair right in front of you. Uh, And if the Bible is new to you, we want to make sure you can find that quickly this morning. So that's page 1618. Luke 12 is page 1618. And as you turn there, let me just mention to the men of our church this Wednesday morning at 613 a.m., it is early on purpose. Uh, But we began a new study on the life of Job. We have a guest teacher coming that I'm very excited about, and it's a five-week series on the life of Job. And so uh, I hope that you'll join us. And ladies, if you're here with your husband, I hope you will elbow him at about 5.50 this Wednesday morning and kick him on out of bed. Let me ask you a question. This is a time for corporate, authentic confession, and I want you to be honest with me and one another. On the count of three, raise your hand if you are a worrier. You didn't even need me to count. One, two, three. Anybody that follows rules and needed me to count. I mean, all of us deal with worry, and I appreciate your honesty today. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, we know that you're worried about feeling judged. But clearly, (laughs) uh, this sanctuary is full of people who struggle with the same thing you do. And if you tend to worry... On a daily basis or maybe even an hourly basis, you probably uh, have a condition called humanity. It's just part of what we struggle with. We worry because there is so much to worry about. Our safety and our security, our health, maybe avoiding illness or aging. We worry about what to eat and what to wear and how we look, our weight, our hair color, our wardrobe. We worry about finances. Are we going to be able to pay the mortgage, pay off the debt, pay the tuition, times two or four or whatever? And I was thinking this week about my life and the things that I worry about. I even worry about our dog. We have a dog named Sassy. A little over a year ago, my wife batted her eyes at me and said, please, can we get a dog for the kids? I said, our youngest is kind of like a pet already, so I don't know that I need another one, and I didn't think I would like this dog. I just thought it would be a constant chore for me. And as you can tell by this picture, I love this dog. I love this dog an awful lot. And I worry about Sassy. Our backyard, the fence is open all day long because neighborhood kids, we got like 17 kids in our cul-de-sac, and they're constantly coming in and out of the backyard, and I'm worried every single day of my life, friends, I'm confessing to you, I'm worried that the fence is not going to get closed, the dog's going to escape, and then you know what happens to the dog when it escapes and gets out on the streets, and I tell these graphic stories to my kids to try to warn them and threaten them. You have to close the gate. All right. Worry about my dog. There's a book. It's called The End of Stress. Anybody want it? (laughs) It's authored by a man, get this, his name is Don Goaway. It's a great name. And his research concludes that 85% of what we worry about never happens. 
But this is not a new discovery. Over 500 years ago, a famous French philosopher stated, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. Listen, what a brilliant and brutal strategy that our enemy has devised to come at our lives. Because worry is a waste of time, and time is something that we cannot get back. And so when we worry, he is stealing from us. So regardless of probably what won't happen, we still lose sleep at night over unlikely misfortune. There was a woman who had trouble falling asleep most of her adult life because she worried that someone would break into her home. And she had been married for over a decade. And even in the safe company of her husband, worry kept her awake at night. She was crippled by these irritating thoughts. And one night after bed, her husband heard a loud noise downstairs and he went downstairs to see what it was. As he was investigating, he found a burglar in their home He was initially shocked to see the burglar, and the burglar was shocked to see him. But the homeowner greeted him, good evening. I am the man of this house, and I'm pleased to see you. Welcome to our home. And the burglar was perplexed, but the husband continued, would you please follow me upstairs and let me introduce you to my wife. She's been waiting 10 long years to meet you. So we can laugh about our worries, but they also cripple us. We can laugh, but they cripple us. So there's a good transition to Scripture. Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, Not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." So in Luke chapter 12, we see an interesting and maybe even an unexpected connection between worry and greed. Now we're going to turn directions here because we cannot ignore the association between the two. Prior to this passage that I just read, we read the parable of the rich fool. 
So an anonymous member of the crowd pushed his agenda onto Jesus regarding his inheritance rights. And Jesus dodged the situation and told the guy to take it up with the nation's court system. He avoided a legal judgment that day, but he made a strong moral one. He said, be careful. Protect yourself against the smallest ounce of greed. Life is not defined by what you have. Jesus teaches us one major weakness of riches here in this text. They have absolutely no purchasing power after death. No currency can buy our way to heaven. So we must ultimately value God over all of our possessions. To be clear, it's not sinful to own a car or a lawnmower or a lake house or really anything. Jesus doesn't tell us to detest possessions as if they are evil or make us any less pure. When I was a college pastor, I returned home one year from one of our many trips to Mozambique. And when you're in that nation, you're exposed to some of the worst poverty in the world. And I would prepare our teams for what they're about to see. And then as we're about to come home, I would prepare them for sort of a reverse culture shock, coming back home to your wealth and your prosperity and the things that you didn't have and experience in Africa. This kind of exposure to poverty certainly reminds me that excess of stuff is unnecessary and borderline irresponsible. Not long after we got home, I got a phone call and I learned that a group of young men, team members on this trip, were so pierced with guilt for what they had, their extreme excess. They went down to the Canadian River, they lit a really large bonfire, and they started to burn their stuff. They burned their phones and their TVs and their clothes. And I couldn't wait to get phone calls from their mothers. College pastor of the year, right? Burning your possessions, being pierced with guilt for what we have is equally as unnecessary and irresponsible as having excess. Truly it is. But the message here is whatever God gives me, I steward it well. Whatever He entrusts into my hands and my care. I have the responsibility of stewarding it well, having what God gives me, but not being owned by my very possessions, refusing to be owned by what I have. So we go, it's interesting in this chapter, we go from greed, this excess of stuff, to worry about the lack of stuff or the things that we need or can't control. And worrying about lack of provision. This is something that has plagued humanity throughout the ages. Thanks to the help of many scholars and research, we have an idea of the socioeconomic status of first century Greco-Roman citizens. An estimated 3% of the population during Jesus' lifetime were of an elite status. 3%. 17% managed to get by, and 80% of people at that time lived close to or below the poverty level. And research tells us that one in four people lived in a very fragile state, meal 
one meal at a time. When will my next meal arrive? So here and now, today, in your life, this passage might be hard to relate to. Because your pantry might be full. And the refrigerator, full. Your closet, full. You probably didn't worry this morning about a lack of clothing in your life, but instead, what to wear. Right? Raise your hand if you stood in your closet for five minutes. Or, no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But we do. We worry about what we're going to wear. You all look amazing, by the way. You can turn to your neighbor and say you look amazing today. Go ahead. What this text teaches us is that greed and worry, greed and worry reveal our lack of trust in God and our lack of eternal perspective. Greed, this intense selfish desire for something, an unrelenting appetite for more and an unwillingness or a hesitation to share with others and worry, giving way to anxiety and dwelling on our troubles and our hardships, stressing out over our unmet needs and our undiscovered solutions. Greed and worry, they reveal our lack of trust in God and our lack of eternal perspective. So what do we do now? What do we do with this text here today as we live life and walk with Jesus day to day? I want to invite you to do an honest scan of your heart this morning. An honest scan answering these four questions. Am I stewarding my possessions in a God-honoring way? Am I trusting myself more than I am trusting God? Am I serving God's kingdom or building my own? Am I suffering from chronic worry? And if you're not pleased with your answers, don't worry. See what I did there? Really, though, feel no shame. This morning, if you are not pleased with your answers, you do that self-scan of your heart. You don't like your answers to one or more of those questions. Feel no shame today. Maybe the Holy Spirit is here to convict you gently in your heart. And so I don't want to ask you these difficult questions and run the possibility of you not being pleased with your answers without providing some possible action steps for you today. So number one, If you are ready to steward your possessions in a way that honors God, today is a great day to start. Forget about the ways that you may have messed things up in the past or mistakes that you've made. Today is a great day to start. Redefine your priorities. Redeem all of your possessions by surrendering them to God. Look around you, both in this community and beyond. What do you have? What do you possess that can serve or meet the needs of others around you. I feel like most of the time when we take our eyes off of our own worries and look out for the best interest of others, our worries seem to diminish a little. What do you have that you don't need? Could you sell it? Could you give the money to the poor? Maybe even pray before you purchase. This could be a new process that you or you and your family 
go for when it comes to spending. Pick an amount. If we spend X amount of dollars or more, go with this motto. We're going to pray before we pay. Let's sit down and pray together and submit this purchase to God. Is this something we ought to do or can we do without? Second, if you're ready to fully place your trust in God, today is a great day to start. Friends, consider the ravens. Really, don't just read that text, but really consider the ravens. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Listen, God cares for you. God cares deeply for you. If you're ready to relinquish control of your life, maybe this morning it just takes one little prayer that you whisper to God, God, I trust you. God, I let go of control. And I fully, fully trust you. Third, if you're ready to put the kingdom of God first, today is a great day to start We can build our own empire here, but Scripture reminds us we will all die. It's a one-to-one, human-to-death ratio. So what if we invested in a kingdom that will never end? What if we prioritized his agenda over ours? There's a book titled Your Best Life Now, and I understand the author's intent. I really do. But the title kind of bugs me because I feel like the best life now is not one centered on me. My best life now is about him and his kingdom and his glory and his name and his renown and his gospel being preached and received by people across the globe. To be an ambassador of Jesus is to believe that the best life for you and for me is the life that is to come, the hope that we have in eternal life with Christ. And lastly, if you are ready to proactively resist the urge to worry, today is a great day to start. Kingdom heirs do not have to worry about the small stuff or the big stuff. You are a royal priesthood, dearly loved. You have royal blood in your veins. There is really nothing that you have to worry about. The big stuff, the small stuff. Worry is not a part of the menu of life that God has promised for you. And verse 25 is somewhat comical. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? By a show of hands, anybody? Anybody know the secret? None of us can. None of us can add a single hour to our lives by worrying. As a matter of fact, many studies prove that stress caused by worry puts us in physical danger. So for those of you who are ready to proactively resist the urge to worry, I have an idea for you. This is something Andrea and I have done time to time. But here in just a few moments, I'm going to share a few things about worry. And before you leave today, I want to invite you to come down here and receive one of these dry erase markers. This is very practical tool and tip for you to fight worry in the days ahead. So go home and write these things on your mirror. So when you wake up in the morning and you wipe the sleep out of your eyes and you brush your teeth and you take that first glance at yourself, these words will be there to remind you that you have no reason to worry 
when you have an invitation to trust God. So write these on your whiteboard. Number one, worry is irreverent. It's irreverent. It, it fails to recognize the God who gives you life and who is sustaining your life this very moment and every moment. Worry is irrelevant. Why? It does not change a thing. It doesn't change anything for us to worry. It doesn't help us cope with our problems whatsoever. Third, worry is irresponsible. It burns up this mental energy that we have rather than actually seeking productive solutions. So it's irresponsible. And then worry is ignorant. And I was going to say dumb, but that sounds really mean. I needed it to start with an I as well. It's ignorant because it's acting like we're unaware and uninformed and unfamiliar with the faithfulness of God. Are you aware and informed and familiar with the faithfulness of God? Are you? If you are, I don't believe you have any reason to worry. Would you stand to your feet? And before we worship together, I'd like to conclude by reading a portion of Luke chapter 12 from the words of Jesus as interpreted in the message version of our Bible. This is the invitation for us today. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, you will find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of anything. You are my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt, a bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and the place you will end up being. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge your presence here. We thank you for your presence within us. And we confess that we lose track from time to time of the promises that are embedded right here in your word for our lives. As we draw near to you today, I ask God that you would draw near to us. You would comfort us and assure us and remind us of your faithfulness and that you would cleanse our hearts this morning from all worry and from all greed, that we would not live with either one of those plaguing our spirit, that our spirit, fully submitted to you, would release greed and worry today.